Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am here today with Lucinda Seacrest McDowell, author of Soul Strong, Seven Keys to a Vibrant Life. And then during the second half of the podcast, you will meet Redemption Press author Christine Rose. So before I do a proper introduction, Lucinda, welcome to the All Things Podcast. It's great to have you on today. Thanks, Athena. I'm so excited to be here with your listeners. Yes. Well, let me, uh, because there's probably people listening who do know who you are, but I'm guessing there are a few people out there that might not have uh, read any of your books yet. So I want to make sure they know all that you've done, all that you bring to the table and encourage them to find out more about you. So first of all, Lucinda Seacrest McDowell, MTS, is a storyteller and seasoned mentor who engages both heart and mind while helping you choose a life of serenity and strength. A graduate of Gordon Cornwell Theological Seminary and Furman University, McDowell is the award-winning author of 15 books, including Soul Strong, Life-Giving Choices, Dwelling Places, and Ordinary Graces. Lucinda is a member of the Redbud Writers Guild and ASA, which is, stands for Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. She received the Mount Hermon Writer of the Year Award, which let me just say, Mount Hermon is like the granddaddy of all Christian Writers Conferences. So to get Writer of the Year from Mount Hermon is a big deal. So just, just had to say that. She also guest blogs monthly for The Right Conversation, which is Edie Melson's website, one of my favorite people. Uh, whether coaching writers and speakers, pouring into young mamas, or leading a restorative day of prayer, she is energized by investing in people of all ages. As a communications teacher, she has served on the faculty of the Speak Up Conference, which is where we originally connected, uh, the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference, the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference, the Florida Christian Writers Conference, Asheville Christian Writers Conference, and she also co-directs the annual spiritual retreat, Renew, which is a retreat for New England writing and speaking. Known for her ability to convey deep truth in practical and winsome ways, McDowell shares words from Sunnyside Cottage in New England and blogs weekly at lucindasecrestmcdowell.com. So I want to share some of these amazing 
little known facts about our guest today. She actually, get this, this should encourage some of you out there who don't think you could ever write. She never actually graduated from high school, but went to university at age 17. What? That's wild. She eventually, eventually received her master's from seminary. And the summer she was 31, she got married, moved from San Francisco to Seattle, which is about 45 minutes from where I'm recording today, went to court and adopted three children ages nine, seven, and four. She grew up hunting and fishing in South Georgia. And <laughs> I love that. And had to learn how to shoot poisonous rattlesnakes and copperheads out on the farm. Her favorite name to answer to is Granny Lou. I love that because uh, people saying it are six, four, three, and one. So it doesn't matter what they call you when they're that age, right? right. Woo. Her maternal grandfather played golf with President Eisenhower. And get this, this is the most amazing piece. Her home church was gathered in 1635 and was literally the very first church in the state of Connecticut. Her husband served there 25 years as the pastor, and so did Jonathan Edwards a few years before that. <laughs> very funny. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to share all those things. I thought oh, you were going to just pick one or something. Oh, they're so fun. <laughs> I just had to. They're so fun. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? He does. He does. I love that. So before we dig in, and, and just even before I ask you to share this, I just have to let everybody know that about, gosh, three weeks ago, my husband woke up in the morning and said, you know what? In the middle of the night, I thought about you. We were on the boat, which is usually where we get away. But I hadn't been doing that much because even when we got away to the boat, I would do my Facebook Live from there on Monday nights, which is supposed to be our day off because he's the pastor, right? So he just said, you know, you're not taking a Sabbath and that's not right. And I was like, guilty as charged. You are right. And I went out that morning and looked up my version app on my phone, the scripture as I read it in context, talked about the rest, the Sabbath rest of God, no less. It had the word Sabbath in there. And then I opened up, I happened to take Lucinda's Dwelling Places book with me, which I had received four years ago when I had a radio show. And I just happened to open it to the page on rest which, I mean, it wasn't dog-eared. It wasn't like there wasn't- It a, was a God thing. <laughs> it was totally a God thing. And so it is just, I have been talking about you, Lucinda, just for the last, ever since that happened, because you were instrumental in that whole, okay, God, I hear you. And I am going to start on turning off my phone from sundown Sunday to Monday night, so I am not distracted. I quit doing my Facebook lives on Monday. I mean, I took major action from 
your words. They so encourage me. You so, know, this is such a great story, Athena. And I want to tell our listeners too, God will do whatever it takes to get our attention. Yeah. And, um, and the process that you are going through and that all of us go through at different times in different ways is a process. So, you know, how great that you've already made those decisions and it'll, it'll always be a battle. I think we can talk about that more later, but you know what else I want to say to anybody out there? Um, when we write books and Athena knows this as do many others who are listening, we never know where they're going to end up. Yeah. We never know how, how people are going to get them in their hands or, or on their devices. We never know when, and we just have to send those books out into the world, send our words out into the world with a prayer and trust God will bring them at the right time to the right person. Mm. And so I, that's another reason, Athena, I love your story. This is a book that was mailed to you unrequested because you were in, in that business at the time. And it was four years later, you picked it up. And I guess my Romans 828 story is, is sort of similar to that. Do well, you want me to share it? I would love well, for Well, this you is one I had forgotten about until Athena reminded me. I guess she heard about it sometime. But uh, my very first book came out 25 years ago, and it was called Amazed by Grace. And it was all about a, just a total 180 turn that God effected in my Christian life when I was a striving hot mess, trying to please him and everybody else. And God introduced the concept of grace. And so I wrote it. And, um, and then after that, <clears throat> I, I did another book. Um, and so I had written two books. Um, and I honestly didn't know if anybody was ever reading them. I mean, my mama read them, but you know, I didn't know. They had been traditionally published and they were supposedly out there. But I can remember, I was also serving on staff of a church at that time. And we had a staff retreat, about 12 of us. And we held it down by the shore in Connecticut at a Catholic retreat center. It was just for the day, but when we broke for lunch, I just needed, really needed a break. And I went out into the garden of this mod, uh, convent. And um, I met this little old lady who was gardening and digging in the dirt. And I just greeted her and I said, hi, I'm uh, Cindy. And I had blue jeans on and everything. So mind you, I was not speaking at a big event. She was wonderful. She was from Ireland. Her name was Sister Alphacina. And she said, call me Sister Alfie. I've been here from Ireland for a year on sabbatical. And I'm about to go home in a week. And I wanted to build a bridge. Now I'm not Catholic, but this was a sister in Christ and I didn't know anything. I said, tell me about being on sabbatical. She said, well, one of the things we do, we have jobs, I'm the gardener, and we also read a book a week. Now I had four children at home during this time. Yes, I did write books, raising four kids. And I thought, somebody told you you had to read a book a week. I thought that was the best thing in the world. So I decided to build a bridge and say, what was your favorite book? Now, listen, I had just read um, the biography of Mother Teresa, and I had read some books by Henry Nouwen. Two Catholics, I was hoping she'll say one of them so that we can connect, right? Out of her mouth comes the word, oh, that's easy. It's amazed by grace. And I, I just, 
my 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 jaw just dropped and she looked at my horrified face and said oh you didn't like it it's by mcdowell and i've read it twice <laughs> she said that book changed my life <laughs> now y'all think about this i am i am just in the middle of nowhere with an irish catholic nun i am a frumpy 40 year old protestant woman and God brought us together. Of course, when I told her, I said, I'm the, actually the author of that book. Then her face dropped. She couldn't believe it. But anyway. Well, and we you, thought, were, you were wondering if anybody ever read anything you wrote. This is what I'm trying to say. That morning, I had a contract for a third book, but I didn't know whether to sign it. Now, I know that sounds weird in this economy and all that. Yeah. But I really, I thought, do I have anything to say? Mm. And does anybody ever read it? And does God ever use it? Do you see? So that's why this was such a great moment, Athena, is it confirmed to me mm. that God can do anything with a willing heart and obedience. Yeah. And he works all things together for good. All and, things. Yeah. And I want you to know, I went home and signed that third book contract so fast. And do you know, there have been times over and over again, because I'm one of those long people, people that have had this, been doing this a long time. <laughs> And, you know, somehow I turn around 25 something years later and um, my 15th book has just come out and it's all God's grace. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I love that story. I'm so glad you got to share it today. Well, I probably took the whole podcast telling that and I want to talk about rest. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that. In fact, we are just going to jump right into why do you so often write about the concept of dwelling with the Lord? And that I'm so happy to share because this is my passion. The fact that you picked up this one book, Dwelling Places. Um, I, I, some of us do a word for the year. And as quite a few years ago, the word just kept coming to me dwell in the shadow of the almighty um i was in an airport and saw this slick magazine and it was called dwell and somebody said to me later that day don't dwell on that and i thought you know why do i keep hearing this word and so i began to do a study of the word dwell and i realized that it is it, it has a dual meaning it's where we live and where we focus mm -hmm. and at this point in time i have to tell you that I was a hot mess. I was running around. I, you know, believe me, I understand anything you were talking about earlier. Um, I was not taking time to dwell in the presence of the Lord in the way that I knew I needed to, and I knew was a command. And I realized that that for that year, I was going to learn everything I could about dwelling with God. Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-seven. God says, "My dwelling place will be with them." and I will be their God and they will be my people. Mm. And so what I realized was that, you know, we have dwelt everywhere else, haven't we? We have given our, where we live and where we focus to anybody that says they need us. And, and with these phones and all that, it could be, I need you and I need you now, answer me right now. And, um, and yet God offers to dwell within our hearts and he offers and asks us to dwell with him. In fact, uh, John 15, four, which we know probably most of us have memorized it as abide with me and I will abide in you. But there is a certain translation of the same word dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Ooh. And so if it refers to where we focus and where we live, I decided right then and there, and this is also a 180 that I just said, I am uh, going to focus on God. I'm going to learn what it means to live 
in him and with him to experience his presence. And the very first thing I had to learn was what you set us up. And y'all, this is just a Holy Spirit thing because Athena and I have never, ever in our lives talked about this until yep. right this minute. Yep. Time with Christ, time in silence, time away from devices, time um, in his word, time in prayer. Y'all, these have the, these are called spiritual disciplines. And some of us do not like that word D. You don't like the discipline word, but they have been around for centuries, for millennia. And our, our foremothers and our forefathers, all the saints of old, knew that we needed to spend time with the Lord. At least the one thing we all need to do is time in the word and time in prayer. And, and by the way, I'm not the quiet time police. I am telling you, this is life-giving. Yeah. This is not just something to check off your list. This is pouring into you spiritual deposits. Sometimes I call them, it's soul care. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Um, I don't know if anybody listening has ever gotten, now we get it by email, but we used to get a, a telephone call, you know, you're overdrawn at the bank. Now, I'm not going to say whether I have or have not gotten that, but let me just say, I know. And it means that I have withdrawn more than I deposited money-wise, okay? But here's the thing, that will happen in our lives spiritually. Yep. We will one day be told a medical diagnosis. We will get a phone call from a wandering child. We will, be we will all of a sudden be in the middle of a world pandemic. Something will happen. And we will just realize that we are overdrawn in the spiritual nourishment. Our bodies and our souls are exhausted. We don't have anything to pull up. And so that's why every day, Athena, we need to put in deposits, those yep. spiritual deposits. And the more we do, not only are we prepared for those times, but it just gives us much more vibrancy and life every day. And I am so glad you mentioned that in your own, um, you know, of observing of the Sabbath that you included turning off the devices. Because folks, I have to tell you, they will find you eventually. Yep. So most things, now I realize there are some emergencies, but most things, um, when I was younger in the faith, um, I worked for Pastor Robert Munger, who wrote that little book, My Heart, Christ's Home, and he talked about how Jesus was waiting in, in, the, in the den for him every morning, but sometimes he just rushed by, and he realized that it wasn't just him wanting to spend time with Jesus, but Jesus wants to spend time with us. And it really convicted me that when, that he's invited us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Can I see a show of hands? I see you over the airwaves. You are raising your hands. Some people are raising two hands. But Jesus invites us. And invitations need RSVP. I had two daughters get married, and RSVPs are important. What will you say to the author and creator and sustainer of the universe? when he says, come to me. What will you say? Oh, just, Sorry? A, just a second. I got to answer yeah. that phone call. Yeah. Oh, I got a text here I got to deal with. Oh, right, right. This is, yeah. After That's I ridiculous. finish raising all my kids, I'll focus on spiritual things. Right. After I get through this pandemic, I'll focus on spiritual things. Whatever. 
Mm. But y'all think about it. He loves us that much. Yeah. In fact, I do have to say that that part of why I talk so much about dwelling, and I do even in my, my nose book, Soul Strong, I talk about how important to dwell deep because, but I begin that book with knowing that we are the beloved. And, and isn't that kind of part mm -hmm. of it, Athena? Like you don't necessarily want to draw near to someone that you're not sure about, but if you know that they absolutely love you full stop, yeah. no strings attached, you want to, to come to them. It's not that you do it out of obligation. You do it out of privilege. Yes. And it's a safe place. It is a safe place. When I first began that book, Dwelling Places, that you picked up, I wanted to do word studies on all the words in the Bible that have to do with things like that, like the word sanctuary, mm. like the word refuge, like the word rest, you know, like the word dwelling place, you know, um, so many things. And so that's what that little devotion is, that little devotional book. It's a very short devotion on one word a day that calls us into the powerful presence of God. And, and that's why I'm passionate. I want people to know they are never alone, even when they feel alone. And there are a lot of people listening right now who have been alone for maybe 150 days, because there are some people who have been uh, isolating at home for 150 days. And I, I know that that is, it is so hard. I have a, a very elderly um, mother in a nursing home in Georgia. And it's just so hard when you're alone, but the Lord is with you and he will be with you. So draw near. Mm. Um, mm. So um, tell us about your vibrant message of living soul strong, because I'm sure in order to do, in order to live soul strong, that dwelling, that resting, that that's, that's all gotta be part of it. Well, it is. And thank you. This, this book actually, <laughs> This book actually came out of being at, I do so much speaking and I would have so many, particularly younger people come to me and say, how do you do it? And I, I kind of didn't even know what they meant, but what they basically meant that I found out is they were looking at me, a seasoned mentor and saying, how have you kept the faith all these years? Mm -hmm. How do you still have the joy? How do you uh, believe all this and 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 continue to do that long obedience in the same direction and i knowing myself so well in my heart know that i'm not perfect so i would say well i don't even know that i am doing it that well but then i realized god had given me a lifetime athena Mm -hmm. of uh, fingerprints on my life and lessons learned the hard way. Mm -hmm. And when I, and people would say, you know, write that down. And um, I'm really a storyteller at heart. Yeah. And, and yet I'm deeply theologically sound and very biblical. So everything's always in those, but I love to do it in a way that seems like we're just talking over coffee. Does that make sense? And that and is, so I, I said to God, Thank you. I said to God, I said, I'm not the, I'm not, I mean, I'm not the holiest person. I'm not the most famous person. Why should I write a book that's a discipling guide for life? Why should I do that? And he said, uh, there are plenty of other people who perhaps are better qualified, but that does not excuse you if I have called you to tell it in your version. Ooh, and so good. I began and I, I literally sat down one day and I said, okay, if my two daughters, who are also young women, um, asked me, you know, how do you do it? I would give them seven couplets. Mm. 
And do you know that that's how this book came out? And there, it's teaching, it's a very interactive book. It's called Soul Strong, but it's a workbook that you work through. And the, and the seven important things, I'm just gonna say them really fast. The first one begins with live loved. And I mentioned, we have to know how much God loves us. That's our identity, the beloved. So I begin there. Okay. And then the second one is be authentic. And I talk about getting to know who you are and who you aren't how God made you, what he's calling you to do, and live it that way. And then the third one is to dwell deep. Mm -hmm. And this is where I excuse everybody from all the quiet times they forgot to do and all that. And I just say, it's not about that. It's about being in the presence of the Lord, reading his word and prayer, communication every day. And as you grow, you, uh, it, it, it fills you up so that you can pour out. And I guess that's the story of my life. Just fill me up so I can pour out. Mm. And then the fourth, uh, the fourth key is to pray always, which, you know, everybody says, how do you pray always? Well, we're commanded in the Bible. So there must be a way. And the way is that you live a praying life. Mm. You, you take everything before the Lord. Yes, there are times when you're actually in prayer, but also we can learn that. And, and people say sometimes that this book looks like a prayer book. Sometimes, sometimes it looks like a Bible study. Um, the last three are interesting because as we've built on all those, I then begin the next one. The fifth one is to overcome pain. And Athena, this is something that you have done so beautifully in your life, but it's over, the overcome pain step is to look at all the sufferings and all the batterings and all the brokenness and what we have taken from that so that we then can touch a hurting world. Yeah. And, um, and number six is a really good one too. It is called embrace, you know, extend, excuse me. I do know my book, extend <laughs> kindness, mm. kindness. I didn't use a theological word like grace or mercy or compassion. I said, be kind. Mm. And it's all about being Jesus with skin on to yep. everyone and how we learn how to do that. Yeah. And then the very last one you're going to also love, share stories. And it's, that's, the, the reason that's important is whatever has happened in our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it, it behooves us to go out and tell and to point to God who was there. And, you know, um, I used to think, somebody asked me on another interview, not a podcast, you know, in, in the drama of life, are you the leading lady? Are you the girl next door? Are you the, and they named all these drama things. And it was so easy to say, I'm the girl next door, but I thought I had to be the leading lady. Ooh. I thought I had to be the leading lady. And I, even in my career, in my Christian career, spent some time trying to live up to that image until I realized no, the way God created me is the girl next door, the average person, just like those who are listening to us now, but filled with God who enables me to do whatever he calls me to do. And that's why we share the stories. They say, boy, if Lucinda McDowell can do that and look at her with all her stuff, then maybe there's hope for me. Yeah. Amen. So those are my seven points in that book. <laughs> I love that. I can't wait to get a copy of that. I'm telling you. So, okay. We'll make we're... sure that happens. <laughs> oh, well, we are almost out of time. So oh in gosh. closing, I mean, I listen, we could go for another hour and it would, 
it would be well, like. Well, I wish you hadn't read the whole bio because that <laughs> took more time, but that's all good. Okay. <laughs> so I just in closing, I would love for you to share a few tips or tools to help our listeners just really remember that God really is a Romans 8, 28 God. He really is working all things together for good, even when we do not feel it or see it. Okay. And I'm going to speak. There's so much I could do for that, but I'm going to speak into you right now, friends listening. I would like you to take your hands, palms up, and, and put them in front of you. And, and this is a practice that I do, a physical and yet spiritual practice, and I do it with everything. So whatever it is you're carrying right now, I want you to open your hands, palms up, and I want you to release it to the Lord with a prayer. And just say, I release to you, Father, you know, whether it's my fears, or the uncertainties, this particular challenge. Maybe it's the name of a child or someone who is suffering. Maybe it's your future, whatever. But with open hands, release it to him and say your own prayer. And you know, prayer is just conversation with the living father who knows you best and loves you most. So release it to him. And then the second part of this little exercise for me is to keep my hands, palms up, and receive. Mm. And then I would like with your prayer time to just keep your hands, palms up and say, I have released and now I am receiving. And then I want you to, as the Lord leads you in prayer, to receive from him his peace, mm. to receive from him the promise that he will provide in that situation, mm. to receive from him the promise that he loves your loved ones more than you even do. Yes. And then gather your hands to yourself and thank the Lord. Hmm. Uh, this is just a small little exercise. And, but I feel like it is a tangible way to know that God is in control. He will work all things for good mm -hmm. for those who know and love the Lord. And, and by the process of trusting with open hands, we are showing him that, that we can release, but we can also receive. And I pray for you, a life of serenity and strength. It's been so great to be with you. Amen. So if, if some of the women who have been listening today want to find you on the internet, your website is lucindasecrestmcdowell.com. But how about yes. social media? Are you on any? I, oh, honey. Yes, I am. I am on Facebook as Lucinda Seacrest McDowell. Okay. I am on Instagram as Lucinda Seacrest McDowell. I, you know, I have a Twitter, but I don't Twitter very much. I, I have, I've listened to our friend Edie. I basically do two things. I can only do two and still have a real life. So, uh, <laughs> but please visit me online. And actually, um, there is, I give away a free book online, an ebook called um, Four Anchors You Need in Life Storms. So all you have to do on my website, my homepage is just uh, sign in there and, and I'll send you an ebook. Awesome. Well, you have just been an absolute delight to have a conversation with. And I just felt like I was sitting at the table having our tea or coffee. And um, I just love the richness. And you're such a great storyteller. I just love that. So well, thank you. Thank so you. I have a lot of stories to tell, a lifetime <laughs> full of them. But um, thank you for this wonderful time, Athena. And to all of you out there, Stay soul strong and you can because the Lord is within you. He dwells in you and we can dwell with him. 
Amen. In May, God gave me a vision of a movement. He gave me the name She Writes for Him, and I knew it would start as a book compilation, then a podcast, and finally a conference. Well, here we are a year later, and She Writes for Him, Stories of Resilient Faith, launched on May 12th, featuring Carol Kent, Tammy Trent, and Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, along with 27 brave women who shared their hard stories of abortion, depression, betrayal, loss, and shame, and declared how God worked redemption in their lives. The second edition is finalizing submissions, and best-selling author Liz Curtis-Higgs leads the lineup of contributors sharing on suffering, cancer, mental health, addictions, and spiritual abuse for She Writes for Him, Stories of Living Hope. This very podcast launched in February of this year, declaring the faithfulness of God in working all things together for good. And when we had to cancel our in-person She Writes for Him writing retreat in April, we hosted the first 21-day She Writes for Him boot camp online and helped take 40-plus women from concept to manuscript blueprint through 90-minute interactive virtual workshops, daily writing tips, and multiple coaching sessions. As the pandemic continued to interrupt our spring and summer conference plans, God birthed the conference I knew would be, but had no idea it would look like this. A virtual conference with three full days and 33-plus publishing professionals found 400 hungry attendees waiting and ravishing in the wisdom and the love that was poured out through the presenters. We've rescheduled the retreat for this September and still have a few slots open and another boot camp is scheduled for October. And we've initiated the She Writes For Him tribe, a monthly membership online where you can learn your writing craft, network, grow, and have a safe place to develop your voice with other sisters who love the Lord. Join the many women finding their writing identity through the She Writes For Him movement at SheWritesForHim.com. All right, we are back for the second half of the All Things Podcast today with Redemption Press author Christine Rose, author of Life Beyond Me Too. So before I give a proper introduction, Christine, welcome to the All Things Podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you, Athena. It's so good to be with you. Yeah. Well, hey, um, I am just going to let everyone that's listening know a little bit more about you, not only the formal introduction, but also some fun facts about you. So uh, Christine is a mom of two adult daughters, is passionate about safety and justice for women. One of the topics that is dear to my heart, an award-winning business and executive coach. She is the owner of Christine 
Rose Coaching and Consulting, a South Puget Sound-based company helping CEOs grow their leadership, innovative teams, and profitable companies. Christine is the author of the Amazon number one new release, Life Beyond Me Too, Creating a Safer World for Our Mothers, Daughters, Sisters, and Friends. Published in December 2019 by Redemption Press, yay, and endorsed by the premier CEO coach, Marshall Goldsmith. She is also a co-author with Jim Britt and Kevin Harrington of the new volume four in the best-selling series for entrepreneurs, Cracking the Rich Code. A credentialed Washington State board member for International Coaching Federation, a certified psycho psychological safety coach with the Fearless Organization, a certified core values coach with Taylor Protocols, and a member of Forbes Coaches Council. Christine's insights are featured on Forbes.com, Public Interest Radio, National Business Radio, and international media sites. While she earned a bachelor's in business from Georgetown University and a certificate in fundraising management from University of Washington, the greatest lessons she's learned in her life have come directly out of the Bible, which is her favorite book, Amen. Now, just a few little known facts. I love this part because I get a sneak peek into who this person really is. And she, Christine is a football fan, was the first female in high school to letter in football as a, you're gonna hear it here, as a water girl. <laughs> I love that. That was in 1978. She is the member of a national service fraternity or was a member of National Service Fraternity in college, APO, where she was nicknamed Good Humor. I love that. Past jobs not on her LinkedIn profile include administrative assistant, bookkeeper, formal wear sales, legal intern, AFAA certified step aerobics instructor. Whoa. All right, she is still friends with other members of her PEPS group and her MOPS group from over 30 years ago. That's saying something. She is formally on the board as publicity director of the Northwest Christian Writers Association, which is where I got to know Christine as I have been on the board for many years. I'm not on the board right now, but that is one thing that uh, we have in common and that's how we met. She taught Christian aerobics class for her church for several years when her kids were little. She owns but does not ride yet a classic Harley Cruiser. Oh my, um, yeah, my husband is, is always teetering on getting a Harley. So uh, too many in the family have them right now. So you go, girl. She is a published songwriter, loves to read, travel, and watch sports. So lately, she just loves to read because not much traveling or sports to do. Um, she jumped off an 80-foot cliff on purpose into the ocean in Hawaii, and she volunteers for four nonprofit organization advisory boards and offers pro bono coaching to their executives. 
So Christine, my goodness, you are a pretty amazing woman. And I would love, before we dig into your book, I would love for our listeners to hear your favorite Romans 8.28 story in your life. I mean, we've all got lots of them. God's always at work, working good things out of trauma and, and lots of bad stuff. But I would just love for our listeners to hear a Romans 8.28 story of your life that's close to your heart. Oh, thank you, Athena. Yeah, jumping off the cliff here. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, you know, I, I share a little bit about this in the book. Um, I grew up in a home where there were three sexual abusers in my home, and mm. I was the target. Mm. And um, they, you know, they were related to me. Now they're all deceased, but it, it really impacted my life. Um, I grew up not believing that anybody cared about me. Mm. I believed that I wasn't worth anything. Uh, I believe that life wasn't fair and never would be. And I, I actually believe that anybody who works outside the home is taking a risk with the safety of their kids. Mm. So um, I had a lot of really negative limiting beliefs that came out of growing up in that kind of an environment. And, you know, as a result of understanding how great God's love is for us through Jesus Christ, um, it, it took decades <laughs> and also with with the help of some wonderful christian counselors mm. uh, that that god was able to actually turn a broken foundation into kind of decorations in my life and become a firm foundation for my life and then to allow me to build on that so that it's a place of ministry so that I have a compassion for those, well, 12 million posts about Me Too in, in October of 2017. Wow. And really, I felt that it was a calling to write and address how could the world be so unsafe for girls and women and what can we do about it? Well, and see, now, isn't that God's amazing um, grace that he would take that kind of brokenness and pain and use it to protect those who come behind? And that's just, that just blows my mind the way he will, he will use, no matter what it is, he will use it for good when, when it's we're called and loving him with all our hearts and, and called according to his purpose. And you are, and that has just been such a blessing to see your pain be used to empower and to protect. And that's, yeah, what a, what a great example of Romans eight twenty eight. I love that. So wait, hold on. Yep. I can add that the Northwest Christian Writers Association conference that I went to about telling your story 
when to tell it and when not to tell it was really helpful. And it wasn't until maybe a decade later when I was able to come from this place of, of wholeness. So God can use anything, and he even uses the Northwest Christian Writers Association conferences there. Amen. And, and that's oftentimes I will tell um, aspiring authors, you know, sometimes you're telling your story right now is, is for you to process that pain and to begin on that journey. It might not be for publication, but once you get through that place and, and you actually really are coming from a place of forgiveness and healing and, and healthy, emo, being emotionally and spiritually healthy after all of that trauma, boy, can he use that experience to minister to others. So praise God for the Northwest Christian Writers at that conference every year that has you know, I mean, this is kind of a full circle, I think. Yes. So I love that. So tell us about yourself. Who at the core is Christine Rose? Mm, yeah. And, you know, we often define ourselves by our roles mm. or by our jobs or by our relationships or by our possessions or a number of other different things. And, you know, with, with that relationship that we have with the Lord, and if, you know, for there's somebody listening and they don't have that, I just encourage you to reach out to me, CR at ChristineRose.coach, and we can have a conversation. But what yeah. I found out was that I'm really a person who loves people and who loves to help them develop into everything that they can be. And it's about this inner drive to see everyone's excellence shine. Mm -hmm. And that has carried through every relationship in my life, you know, before I was saved and, and all the way to what I do now professionally. But it's, I'm really a person who is about um, coaching other people, compassionately developing people to fully live. Mm. empowering them mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so you already told us a little bit about your romans 828 story and um that at, at what point did you decide to actually okay it's time to write the book was it the rise of the whole me too that that was the the launching place or was it already brewing the book idea already brewing before that i'd written three other books that i never published ah. <laughs> before that, they were very different um but this book came out of doing some learning from coaching that helped me to see that in this me too movement you know, if to really understand what happened and then to recognize that, wow, this could be a defining moment in our culture. This could be an opportunity to see radical change in how people view girls and women and how they treat them. 
And so I felt that it was almost a calling or an obligation to offer coaching uh, and a coaching perspective to the conversation. There are many different perspectives. There's, there's law enforcement, there's social services, there's education, um, and you know, every different kind of perspective, but I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen a coach book about how do we create culture change? And what coaching does is accelerate change. So to bring opportunities for people to pick up a book that's going to create awareness, which is a precursor to change, right? And then mm -hmm. asking questions um, that can help people to think through what they believe. It's not a prescriptive book. It's about people discovering what is true and what should they be doing and how can they help to facilitate change. Mm. So what are some of the values that you discovered along the way? Mm. Well, along the way of writing the book? Well, <laughs> I think I maybe even or, along the way to getting to write the book. Um, you know, one thing I, I really discovered was God's grace mm. and patience. And so to, to recognize that God's patience and compassion and grace for us are so unlimited and so incredibly deep and powerful and changing. So I, I picked up that. I picked up patience and compassion. Mm. That's, and I also, I think um, one of the values that I picked up was integrity when you it's common for an abuse victim to deal with their abuse by kind of checking out mm. and there's a book called the wounded heart by dan allender which i highly recommend for people who've got me too stories and abuse stories to help them understand um, especially if you grew up with sexual abuse, uh, how it impacts your life. But there's, a, there's this tendency to kind of check out. So the lights are on, but nobody's home. Mm. And to journey through healing brings you to a place of integrity and wholeness. And so one of my values is that I really look for integrity in people that I want to see that what's on the surface and what you are line up. And I want to live that. Mm. Amen. Amen. So now this is a very, um, diving into this, I think is just so appropriate right now. Um, as someone who has experienced sexual violence, what are your thoughts about how the pandemic has accelerated violence and discrimination against women? Oh, Athena, that's a great question. And the data is there, so my thoughts don't really matter. But the facts are that uh, domestic violence or intimate partner violence is skyrocketed, that incidences of child sexual abuse 
is dramatically increasing. And there are also issues about discrimination that are showing up, and especially for Black women in the United States, where you're more likely to be laid off, you're more likely to have a pay cut. Um, and for women, you're more likely to be in a service industry where layoffs were, were happening. And you're less likely to be getting financial support, uh, PPP loans if you're a business owner. So, and you're less likely to have a financial cushion. So it's really a time that is, is actually setting us back in terms of the percentage of women in the workforce. If women want to work and if God's gifted them to work and they've made gains by, by entering into roles and in, in, into the workforce and, and been able to earn livings for themselves and, you know, especially single women too, um, to have those gains over the last decade be taken away by this pandemic is really devastating. It seems almost like a perfect storm. I mean, you've got the pandemic thing, then you've got the race thing, then you've got, you know, you've got those, all those pieces that are like converging almost. And it's a little disturbing. Right. Well, there's a lot of stress right now. And when there's financial stress, stress of change, uh, these things, and also isolation, these things become a, a, a real challenge for people who are at risk of abuse in their homes. Because, in a, and also with, I mean, alcohol sales are one thing that's not going down. So with the, you know, the increase in how people are coping uh, which is taking down their, their, you know, kind of their checks in their cells. There's more abuse happening. Right. Wow. Well, that is definitely something that um, is a concern. So, so right now, um, even though you wrote the book before the pandemic hit, um, I would say that you're book would be a great resource for anyone that is struggling with any of those areas that we just talked about. Well, thanks, Athena. You know, I actually had somebody talk to me about the book. She'd gotten it early and had read it in January, and she told me it really helped her understand a little bit about the racial issues that are happening as well. It's meant to be a resource that's broadly used it's got sections in it that are helpful for business owners or business leaders in terms of how do we create a just and safe and equitable environment in our companies. But it also has information for, you know, homes, church leaders, neighborhood groups, any, you know, anybody who cares about seeing change. Yesterday was International Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And I quote some statistics in the book about the prevalence of human trafficking. And a great deal of it is sex trafficking. And it feeds the pornography industry because trafficked individuals become pornography. Right. Um, and so there's a demand for traffic, not trafficked individuals, not only for sex 
trade, but also to be able to resell that crime scene over and over and over again. Um, so it's a useful guide for people to understand what's happening in the world and how they might, might be able to impact change, even just in their own families. Wow. So what tools or advice do you offer to those with Me Too stories, to those who know someone with a story or someone who's actually experienced it themselves? Okay, besides get the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I'm like, just go ahead. It's a gift for someone. And you know what? If you know somebody who has a Me Too story, uh, one of the things that I, I wrote in the book, I quoted... Uh, Brene Brown and Brene Brown is a, a famous researcher who studied shame and she talked about shame as being something that if if it existed in a in a petri dish if you put shame in a petri dish it needs three things to grow exponentially secrecy silence and judgment but if you put the same amount in a Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. And she said the two most powerful words when we're in a struggle, me too. Mm -hmm. So I think one suggestion I would make for listeners who have stories is go ahead and share your stories with someone who's safe. Yeah. Um, you don't have to carry it by yourself. You don't have to carry the secrecy the silence and the judgment anymore. Also, uh, another, another great book is Beyond Boundaries by Dr. John Townsend. He talks about trust and oftentimes when you've had stories, you lose your ability to trust people, right. but it's essential for good relationships. And so that's a great resource for trusting for learning like how to trust again and who to trust and safe people. I really recommend that. And let's see one more tool to think about. And that is how do you get rid of the anger that's below the surface? How do you deal with the rage? And forgiveness is key. And it's, you know, I can't, I mean, even Christians have a hard time with following that forgive one another just as in christ god forgave you because how do you forgive something that's so unforgivable so there's a really great resource that i list in the book about how to do that how to go about finding uh, the ability to forgive and forgiveness does not equal trust Right, and it doesn't equal forgetting, and it doesn't require a restoration of relationship necessarily. Exactly. Right? exactly. It's, a, it's a release of the wrong and the judgment to God. So I, I do talk about that in the book as well. So it sounds to me like even if someone who's listening, they don't maybe have a Me Too story, um, it would be worth investing in a, a copy reading it, understanding for when they end up running across a conversation with someone who does have a Me Too story, to be informed, to be able to talk intelligently and offer that compassion. 
Yes, Athena, in fact, it, it really is about what kind of a world do we wanna live in? And I talk in the book about how there are moments in time where we're given this amazing opportunity to look outside the timeline of history on something and really examine what are the rule sets, what are the presumptions of how we've been living and do they work anymore? And if we created uh, some new ways of thinking about how we treat people and how we value people, and this is just is so, so in alignment with what happens when you become a believer, right? Your whole world changes. But we had a moment in history that changed things for us and we have an opportunity to participate in creating a future that's much safer. You know, right now, uh, one out of five college students is going to be a rape victim. And right now, there, you know, there was a study in, in Washington State of indigenous women, and over 90% of them are victims of sexual violence. And the number of, even in spite of all the trainings that happened and people invested in in 2018, before COVID, her sexual harassment claims were still going up. And there's harassment happening online. I mean, you've heard of Zoom bombing. I, I actually have a friend who was presenting at a professional meeting where they were Zoom bombed and there were people doing obscene things on video. And so if we want a world that's safer for our daughters and our mothers, and you know, we, we if we want to be a part of that, the book is for you. Oh, I think you're muted, Athena. Okay, I'll edit that out. Okay, okay so um, as we begin to wrap this up, um, I'd love to know what's next. Our, you know. Where, where are you going next and how can people find out more about your work? Oh, thank you, Athena. I want to talk a little bit about the Cracking the Rich Code book. I was invited by Jim Britt, who coached Tony Robbins and Kevin Harrington from the Shark Tank to do a chapter for their book that's coming up. And my chapter's entitled 16 Secrets to True Riches. And so there's some secrets in there Christians need to know. Uh, but, it, but you know, if you want to share with your, maybe your community that might be pre-Christian or, you know, just maybe have different beliefs, it's, a, it's appropriate for any of them. Um, that could be uh, just some eye-openers for them. Um, I also am really busy with my coaching practice right now. I'm working with CEOs of small to medium companies and putting together mastermind groups to help them. That's been my bread and butter for the last five years is helping businesses grow. And so um, I'm always working with connecting with the right people there. And the same kind of heart and authenticity, the same kind of, of what did you say? Tough love that you bring into relationships, I bring into coaching. Nice. So uh, so I, my clients get to see some great results from that. 
Nice. So um, as we kind of wrap this up, I'd love for you to share maybe a tip, couple tips or tools that would really help those who are listening that maybe have a Me Too story that are still struggling with that pain, um, just to help them zero in on you know, the truth that God really is working all things together for good, even though they're not feeling it. Okay. You know, I, I, I want to tell you that there's this saying that hurt people hurt people. And so somewhere along the line, somebody's been harmed and they've learned this system that depersonalizes and that turns people into objects. And so rather than going through the process of, of forgiving, they, they internalize damage and they act in ways then that perpetrate damage on other people. And so if we can get outside of the pain for a minute and see the humanity in every person and see the brokenness in every person, that's one tip. Another one is if we can, uh, if we can recognize that there's what happens and then there's the stories that we tell about what happens. And so if we can identify what stories we're telling ourselves, this is something you can just do in a journal and actually just get clear on what your thoughts are. Jesus said, I mean, the scripture says, take every thought captive, that was Paul, to the obedience of Christ. And so how do we do that? Well, first of all, we have to step outside of the thinking to be aware of it. And if you journal what it is you're thinking about and what those thoughts you know, look like on paper and ask yourself, are they true? You know, we're, we're, to, we're to be focused on truth. And so is it true now? And it might be, have been a useful thought 10 years ago or two years ago or whenever your story happened. Is it really useful now? Because by releasing automatic negative thoughts and replacing them with, okay, now what, what do I want to do with this story? And how can I turn it into my Romans 8.28 story? Um, you're now becoming the, the person who writes your ending, you know, with God. And, you know, it's his story. You're, you're part of his story. But I think that's one tool is go ahead and journal. Mm. I'm a big believer in journaling. And that is um, a very effective way. If we say how we're feeling and, that, and get that thought process on paper, he can show us, oh, I'm minimizing there, or oh, I'm like de in denial right here. Or, <laughs> you know, I mean, he can begin to show us what the truth is. And I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't understand everything that goes into the process of writing our thoughts and our feelings and our prayers. And, but it's so, it's so powerful. So I love yeah. that, that that's the tool you'd like to leave us with. Right. And also, you know, don't, don't underestimate 
uh, if you need some help, like there are some wonderful counselors out there who can help you work through, through things. There are some healing modalities that didn't used to exist that really can help you move forward in your life. So I, I write about some of those in the book, but I'm not a counselor. So nothing I say can be considered, you know, <laughs> advice that you can sue me about. Okay. I'm not a counselor, but I am going to say, you know, if you need to talk to a counselor, make it happen for yourself. You're worth it. Amen. So if we have some people listening today who would like to connect with you online, find you on social media, where, where do you hang out? Where's the best place for them to connect with you? Well, if you're a business owner and you want to know how do I create an environment that's safe where people can innovate and the company can grow, reach out to me on LinkedIn or you can find me on my website at www.christinerose.coach.coach. They wanted 25,000 for the .com, y'all. So I went with the .coach, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, right? And if you, you know, if you want to follow me, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Coach Christine Rose. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to connect with you if I can be helpful to you. And also the book has a page on Facebook, Life Beyond Me Too. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And I have a book page, or you can also find the book on, on Redemption Press's webpage yes, and on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. So perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us today for the All Things Podcast. It has been delightful, my friend. Thank you, Athena. My pleasure. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful, or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as, you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.